You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. I guess, okay, I've, I've, I've hit record. Um, this is a strange feeling because I'm not in my second bedroom, Anya's office, my office anymore. I am now in the Hamilton studio. Yes. Uh, Andre, how are you? How is how was the move? Um, You know what? I think I went the entire move telling myself and my friends that I'm not moving to the moon. And I, I still... Well, I mean, I mean, let's put it this way. Like, I've been in a happy rut in Toronto for 13 years. And yeah. I love Toronto. Like, I, I was yeah. proud to call that place my home. But the opportunity up the highway was just too good to turn down. Um, I was able to buy a, a house. Um, but the move was way more stressful than I thought. And I think a few people may have noticed, but like, AndreWineReview.ca is kind of in disarray. I haven't put pen to paper. I haven't been able to put pen to paper or uh, fingers to keyboard in about two months. So... I apologize to any wineries that have sent me uh, samples for review. I have a few things on the on the docket that need to be posted, but you asked me how the move is going. Um, good, good. No, it was good, and I think that reaction is about as genuine as I can get. It was good, but I mean, it, it wasn't without it. So you know, there there is there is no move that's fantastic, Andre. There's always uh, there's always hiccups. There's always things that that uh, that go. And uh, it's weird to talk to you because before the move, we stuck a whole bunch of podcasts, as they say, in the can. Yeah. Uh, and, and not in the bathroom. But, no. I mean, just we, we stockpiled a whole bunch of uh, podcasts. And we'd I- like to thank all the winemakers that came out and chatted with us. And the, the, the funny part of, of that is when they got to, uh, which was mostly in the St. Catherine studio, uh, when they got here, we said, we'd like to record two with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing, too, like, if I can, okay, so so we haven't really come with a set agenda. You and I have kind of talked about a few things about, like, what we were up to, but, like, you know, uh, like, behind the curtain here, I think this has been, like, I thought last year was going to be tough with two guys talking wine, and, and we don't need to get into specifics, but, like, this year has definitely been a tough year behind the scenes of two guys talking wine. I think the pandemic's been... Probably harder on you and I this year than it was past year, both between moving and like just what's going on. And, you know, the fact that this is dragging on that, like, we've lost our sense of, of, of normality. So I know you thank the winemakers, but like, Michael, you did a lot of work in lining and I'm not kissing your ass, but like, you know, you've done, you did a lot of work in lining up, but we lined up. I think you were helping compensate for the fact that I was not able to do my full part with the, the move and everything. It's just like, man. This has been a really, a really tough year. Like we're in September. Well, I, I think I, I don't think I got a chance to go wine tasting, like casual wine tasting, even once in Niagara this year. And frankly, that has to do with a combination of dealing with the lockdown, um, running ADX, which is going better than I, I had hoped it would, but it's still not enough that I can quit my job for commuting to Hamilton. Like I'm tired all the time. Well, I, I, the funny part is, as you mentioned, that I had lined up uh, guests and things like that. Um, you had sent, uh, you gave me a phone call the other day, and you said, "Yeah, yeah, we're we're going to definitely line those people up." And I went, "Who?" Oh, and you said, "You line them up." I go, "I yeah. don't even remember doing it." I've been Pick writing furiously, uh, you know, but just based on wines that I've tasted, and um, uh, I'll, I'll, I went, I did go to Italy, and I, and I visited some really great. 
um, some vineyards. So we'll talk about that in a in a in a future podcast. Um, uh, but you know, uh, what I I know you you haven't put pen to paper, but I know that you taste wine and that you drink wine. And obviously, getting a new house. It just causes you to to open something nice. Well, so what, I mean, we've what been, was the we've first been, bottle? You know what? We've you been hard in the at new work. house. We, we we've been hard at work. Um, like the ADX team has been has been hard at work. Um, you know, let me let me talk about a tasting that we did, and I really hope this doesn't come off as any sort of arrogance because it wasn't the intention of how the tasting was planned. But wait, wait, wait! What was the first wine in the new house? The first wine in the new house. Honestly, I can't remember. Oh. You got to have opened something to christen the house. No, 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 no. Because, um, Michael, I did something that was both wonderful and stupid. And for anyone else who's moving, I highly recommend you you take this strategy. But, like, I told... Because I have friends who have moved and it's, like, three, four, five years later and they still have boxes they haven't opened. I told Anya that... When we move, we're going to unpack every box that we packed so we know what's in it. And fine, if it goes back in the box and put into storage, so be it. But we're not leaving any unopened boxes. Um, I've been drinking a lot of Collective Arts beer. But like, I, I haven't opened anything super memorable until uh, last week. And that was like... So we took possession of the house August 26th. So it took us like almost three weeks to get the, the house together. But... Um, I had a night where we just opened a handful of bangers. Oh. Um, so my friend Maroki, who was on the, the podcast earlier, had an opportunity to go to the United States. And she was good enough to bring me a handful of bottles back from Hillock and Hobbs, which is the Riesling producer where I went down to the Finger Lakes and interviewed Paul Hobbs at the vineyard the year it was planted. It was the one where... Like, it was touch and go whether we were going to even get going to get the interview. Like, you opted to, to sit that one out. And frankly, yep. I agree with your choice. Because, like, that was one where, like, Paul had rescheduled with us three or four times. So, like, you didn't want to come down to the Finger Lakes in case he rescheduled. So, you... I was full speed ahead and did that. So, like, it just... It was important to me that I got a chance to taste this wine. I was just hoping that the wine was going to be good. And it was. Oh, good. That's and, good. And I've got a handful sure of bottles. Happy to hear that after all. Well, I'm, I'm sure that you and I are going to get a chance to open a bottle together. It was an outstanding Riesling. It was certainly one of the best Rieslings I've ever had from the Finger Lakes. I don't think it was better than some of the best Rieslings from Niagara, but we're talking about three years off of Vines. But in that same night, so Guillaume was staying over at my place because we had a farmer's market that weekend. And then I sent Anya downstairs because I unpacked my wine collection. I've got a few hundred bottles in a proper wine cellar in a basement now so i don't maybe i'll start a video series where i start screaming at the camera the way you do hey you know everybody's got to scream at the camera at some point um but i sent on you downstairs where i'm just like you know what you know we'd had a couple bottles that night and i'm like go go grab something i don't care what it is and you know the whole point of the the, the seller is uh to, to age things but it's just like you know on you like just grab something the nice thing about moving and like what I've been doing like since Picard is is buying um, you know a bottle of Burgundy every month or a bottle a couple of bottles of Burgundy every month to to age and just to learn more about Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Uh, I sent Honey downstairs and I had recently ordered a bottle of uh, Merceau from Marchand Taz. It was like 
85 bucks a bottle and she walks upstairs with that bottle and it's just like uh i mean we're so usually need some time in bottles to settle down but we opened it up so you know it arrived in my house the week prior and we opened it up and i was wondering what it would be like and it was it was near perfect like oh, it, it was good. one of the best chardonnays i've ever had it was memorable we have a memory wall for bottles i know you have a memory wall for empty bottles on yours and it's uh it's on the memory wall that was the well, first I, I have to be honest the the last Merceau i had i did age it uh quite a few years and uh i'll be honest i did not uh like it i was not that big a fan of it um you know we know that i'm i'm not the biggest of chardonnay fans but uh, uh i was really looking forward to that bottle and uh opened it with uh, with three people and nobody liked it and uh, two of them were huge Chardonnay fans. So um, I, find Mer- I do find Merceau yeah, tricky. Yeah, maybe 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 it's not uh, as age worthy as you think it might be. Totally, I, I, and I think that's just a thing a thing with um, a thing with Merceau too. Because like I've had a lot of Merceaus where it's just like, am, am I maybe not getting it? Um, it, you know, I, like I find like the use of, in, of oak in Merceau is a little heavier, a little bit more in your face than. And that, and that could have been the problem with it, and it just didn't. It just it it, it had to have been about uh, six or seven years old, and it just it just didn't seem like it was resolved in any way, shape, or form. It was just too too over the top. Too there was too much going on that was just, and everybody was like, "This is too funky, too weird." Nobody liked it. Nobody. So I opened up something from uh, from Ontario, and everybody loved it. So. Um, you know, I, I and, and and tonight, I just for you, Andre, I am actually on Chardonnay. Um, I actually dumped the bottle of Ontario Chardonnay down the sink before joining the podcast. I don't want to say who it's from. I know in a few of my Instagram posts lately, I've been a little bit more critical of Chardonnay. I assure you, it has nothing to do with um the conversations that take place on this podcast. It's just you know, I've kind of got a benchmark for what good Chardonnay is, and I, I, I want to stick to it. And I just, I life is too short for me to drink bad Chardonnay. And you know, even though I've started Captain Chardonnay on Instagram, I'm still waiting to get that like together and doing it. Um, you know, it's uh, there's there's a thing that makes Chardonnay great, and like cutting corners and over oaking it, like those are not things that make Chardonnay great. No, because on the uh, you know, on the Ontario Wine Lovers uh, Facebook page, which I am the um. Uh, the administrator for uh, for a page. while there, there were a lot of people asking for really buttery, oaky Ontario Chardonnay, and I was like, "Wow, we really just don't do the buttery oaky as as much as everybody wants us to." Well, and, and, and uh, I think people you, were, you were might... giving um, were giving advice on Chardonnays, and I'm like, nobody is giving a buttery oaky Chardonnay advice. They're just telling their favorite Chardonnays. So it makes me start to wonder if people understand what buttery and oaky is. But that's just me. Well, I mean, that's it. Um, there's a Chardonnay I think you and I both got, and I really hate to speak speak ill of it because I know the agent worked really hard to make sure that I got the bottle, but the popcorn Chardonnay, I'm not sure. Oh, so it's made by the Garage Wine Company, but it's made via Strewn. Uh, I'm looking at it on the LCBO website because it's an LCBO listing. Seven grams per liter residual sugar, 12.5% alcohol. It's called popcorn, so I think your brain is forced to think of it as, as, as big and bold. But frankly, the amount of over oaking to that should be criminal. Um, but I, but I think I think that's what they were going for. Do you know what that means? I'm like I get you the, know I you, get that they were going you look for at that. that and you see that people want over oaked Chardonnay 
and you go, okay, well, somebody's given them that over oak Chardonnay and, and, and they wanted it from Ontario. So you got it. And it's, it's not the most pleasing of wines, but it was, you know, for, if that's, if that's the style you're looking for, they hit it, but it's not my style. And I mean, that's something that I, I thought that Ontario had worked really hard to put in the rearview mirror. And it's just like, there's so many things about that wine that I find offensive. I mean, one, putting a wine like that on the market just perpetuates this, um, you know, perpetuates this... Um, the stereotype. Yeah. Like the stereotype or like market perception that Ontario doesn't know what they're doing for winemaking, right? Um, I mean, the the people who founded I4C, who founded Cool Chardonnay, have worked really hard to make sure that they're showing that Ontario is world class in Chardonnay. And when the world descends into Niagara for the Cool Climate uh, Chardonnay celebration, the thing that makes Chardonnay, the reason why I love Chardonnay, is as much as Chardonnay is a winemaker's grape, in the hands of a good winemaker, Chardonnay tastes like where it comes from, Right. You know, when you talk, when we talk about Burgundy, when we talk about Merceau, when we talk about Chassain, Montrachet, like all those little villages in France find different ways to deal with oak. And in Niagara, it's just like people have finally figured out that you don't need more is not always better. And right from the Beamsville bench to, you know, Four Mile Creek, we have people who know what they're doing and it doesn't involve pouring liquid vanilla into the, the ferment. And I frankly just found the popcorn Chardonnay one of the most offensive things I've ever drank in my entire wine writing career from Niagara. I, I think I think you find it offensive, one, because you're a big Chardonnay fan. Um, and, and, that's the, the, and two, that's the kind of Chardonnay that I, I just rail against because, you know, people still think that's what they want in Chardonnay. Uh, up until the point, where they taste yeah. a good Chardonnay, and then they go, oh, I really like that. And then, and then you know, then somebody throws the, 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 the liquid two-by-four at you, and, and you start to shun it. And then, then that's where ABC comes in. Um, I, I do like, and, and I like to put it on the table, I do like a good Chardonnay. Like, there's, okay. there is nothing better... At some points in the evening or at the beginning of an evening or so, then a nice bottle of Chardonnay. But it's just having tasted so many of those popcorn-like wines that you really, you know, it's it's really a matter of, of finding good Chardonnay, just like it is with Pinot. And I, and I think, you know, finding really good Pinot is just as difficult as finding really good Chardonnay. Well, there you go. Yeah. So there. I've said it. And the, and the, and the, and the place goes quiet. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, I think, I, like, think I, I think Andre, I, I like it. Just, I like just it when, took a dump. No, no, no. I, I like it when you and I have, um, have gone a long time without speaking. Cause like the conversation loses focus. So I brought this up when we were talking about what we were tasting. So, um, for the, the ADX wine company, we bottled our first Pinot Noir. Yeah. I'm looking forward to tasting that. And, you know, By the is, way, if, if if nobody has uh, has tried your cider, like that that came out of left field for me. That cider you made, man, you know, that was a damn good cider. Okay, okay, okay. Let me talk. Let me talk about. I, I know. I, I try not to spend like because I don't want this podcast just to be about self promotion. Like the journalist. No, no. I, 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 just, that's the but, only thing I want to say about your cider. But let's, your let, cider is banging. Oh, okay, like, okay, that's, okay, that's okay. It. Don't say anything else. Get it. It's just no, no, no. Really I, I want good cider. I want to give a little bit of a backstory to the cider because it's it's hilarious because like. 
I like the cider. I'm proud of the cider. I'm super like thrilled that people love the cider, but I, I have like a funny anecdote to go with that. But I want to I want to focus on telling the story about what I tasted this summer because that's the point that we brought this up is what we tasted this oh. summer. So ADX Wine Company, we bottled our first Pinot Noir. It's a 2019. It was a really challenging vintage. Our winemaker, Adam Kern, went so far as to build a device to make sure that we were gentle on how we extracted the flavors. We made about 750, 800 liters of it. And when the wine started to develop in barrel, because we wanted this to be like, we wanted this to be the response to Damn Chardonnay, which I know you didn't love, but I think you and I can both agree that at $25 a bottle, it's not like I was bottling something at $80 a bottle and being pissed off no one was buying it. It was... Fairly priced, it was okay, it was decent for what it was. Are you going to give me that? I'll give you that. Okay. So as the wine started to evolve in barrel from a tough vintage like 2019, and I don't think anyone in Niagara will dispute with me that 2019 was a really challenging vintage, we were just like, oh my god, this wine's starting to taste better and better and better. So we did it, we we, we use it as an excuse to do a benchmarking tasting where we, we, we did an aspirational tasting. We're friends with the people at 16 Mile, and I'm always grateful that they've got their cellar doors open to the ADX Wine Company, to myself, and to anyone I send their way. And I think anyone who is listening to this podcast that hasn't tasted at 16 Mile needs to get there, because it's tremendous value, and they make really great Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. But we lined up a bunch of really great Pinot Noir from Niagara, and I'm looking at the lineup right now. We had 2018... And the unreleased 2019 Lowry Vineyard Pinot Noir from Thomas Batchelder. We had a 2016 St. David's Bench Pinot Noir from Chateau de Charme. We had 2019 Gravity from Flat Rock. We had the Farm 2019 Black Label Pinot Noir, which is $25 a bottle. We tasted at 16 miles, so we had a couple of... We had 2018 and 2019 Pinot Noir. And we had a 2019 Grimsby Hillside Pinot Noir from Leaning Post. And... I know a lot of people are thinking, well, those are different vintages than what you bottled. It's just like the reason why we did the tasting this way was we just wanted to make sure that the Pinot Noir that we had made wasn't going to be the worst Pinot Noir in the lineup. And I mean, in a perfect world, we may have been one of the better ones in the lineup. But I mean, we sat down. It was the entire ADX team. Our spouses socially distanced outside at 16 Mile. And we tasted through the wines and talked about them. And it was just... I can't remember the last time I had an opportunity to open up that killer lineup of Pinot Noirs from Ontario, and it will always be memorable. And that's it. That's it. That's all. We we, we uh, were happy with how the rough Pinot Noirs we're calling it showed, but it it, it wasn't the best in the lineup, but it wasn't the worst in the lineup. Well, that's 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 always a good sign, isn't it? Like I said, I wanted to make sure that we weren't full of ourselves. So did you did did you do them? You did them blind, did you? Or no, we did them. I knew what they were. It was kind of like when we do stump the chump. Like I okay, I, so I wrapped somebody... them in t- I wrapped them in tin foil. But to be blunt, I uh, I forgot what some of them were. <laughs> yeah, see, you just see? like you did. Like it's easy to forget if and when. You see, that's what I'm telling you. Sometimes you do it, and then you later think about it, and you're like, uh, I don't even know what the hell I had. So. Yeah. So I I posted a picture. Uh, the other day about, uh, so I, I usually taste in groups of about, about a dozen these days. Um, so, you know, I pull out a dozen wines, some whites, some reds, and, uh, I go through, uh, through what I, you know, what I, um, 
you know, I make my notes and everything like that. And uh, you actually had comment about uh, some of these wines too. So, uh, may, you know, these were the six that, the top six, let's call them, from that from that oh, dozen yeah. that I did. Um, I'm looking at, I'm looking I did... At it. Uh, it was a 2020 Burnley. Estate was... Chardonnay from Westcott, yes. which I thought was really, really good. Probably my top wine of the tasting. Uh, I, I don't remember if you said you've tasted that or not. I, I haven't. I haven't tasted the 2020 Estate Chardonnay. I need to make some time to pop in there, but I think um, it looks like three of the six were from a package that you and I recently received from Family Wine Merchants. Could be, yep. Uh, was Wait, was the Montredon a white or a red? Yes. It was a white, and I'm usually not a big fan of uh, of white Cote de Rhone, but I, the Reserve Montredon was uh, 2019 was really good, really good. I love white Cote de Rhone, but I mean, it's one of those things too where we, when people okay, <laughs> it's one of those things where like you know I hate Chardonnay when it's over oaked, but it's one of those things when you're talking about Marsan and Roussan. Marsan and Roussan can really hold up to oak well. Like I, I like and, them when they when they taste a little more savory. Now I I know I like the Escudo Rojo. I never get that right. It's from Chile. It's the uh, Baron Philip de Rothschild. I personally thought that this cab, uh, the Reserva, was uh, the 2019, was right where I think of Chilean cab. It's minty. It's black fruit. It's it's gonna, gonna age you know fairly well for over the next five to six years. Um, you know, and for I don't know, it's twenty bucks or something like that. I thought it was it was a decent bottle of wine. Um. It was one of those wines where I, I think when I talked to you on the phone about it as well, there was nothing wrong with it, but there was nothing right with it. And, you know, it comes in at like 20 bucks a bottle, right? Yeah. It's like eighteen ninety five. Yeah, some of that nature. I'd rather yeah. drop the cash on Montez Alpha. Um, I, I know that in the same package there was a Luigi, a Luigi Bosca, which I realized when we're talking about Argentina, it's not the same as. Yeah. Um, it's not the same. No, it's Malbec as, versus Cab, but well, I, no, but the I, Luigi Bosca, I, th- the Luigi I think Bosca, it'll age really well. The Luigi Bosca was a Cabernet you know, Sauvignon. They would fit right into my cellar for the next five to six years, and uh, and and be right, you know, right as rain. In, in in about four years, the, the Luigi Bosca was Cabernet Sauvignon in that package. Yeah. Uh, oh, was it? I didn't. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. you know what? Probably probably has not touched my lips yet. We'll have um, to go back to that one. You know what? Go back to it. Seriously, go back to it. Um, I, I think if it comes down to where I'm going to park my 20 bucks, I'd rather park it on the Luigi Bosca than on the uh, Escudo Rojo. Uh, and, and it was one of those things, too, where, where the Escudo Rojo, I would expect to spend less money for something of comparable quality. I'd rather do Montez or Luigi Bosca. That being said, let's go. Let's let's go down the line. Uh, then there's the the Ferraton, uh, Cote de Rhone, Samarins. I thought it was okay. Like the, that that one wasn't one of the memorable wasn't one of the memorable ones for me. I I thought the uh, red fruit was killer, and just it just kept it just kept going. Now, granted, I tasted it uh, uh, three or four hours later, and it had uh, I wouldn't say it collapsed, but it, it all that lovely lush fruit had disappeared. But uh, it's definitely a wine, uh, a drink now wine, and it's it's priced that way. It's like sixteen bucks. So um, the Curvos Lurero, which was fourteen ninety five, it gave me vivid memories of what was great about Vino Verde. It was a fascinating wine because the acid structure was still quite good. It yep. wasn't it wasn't grippy like it, or sorry, not grippy is not the word I'm looking for. It wasn't searing like on the back palate, but it still had great balance. But the the fruit intensity was so high 
that I thought for sure this was like a 10 to 15 gram per liter residual sugar wine. The tech sheet says it's at four grams per liter, and I was just like, huh. Yeah, the fr- the fruit on it was amazing. I'm 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 very okay with this because I the thing I like about Vino Verde usually is the is the price. Like, you you get a lot of wine for twelve thirteen bucks, but you know it's it's not generally you know vibrant and exciting like when you get you know a really well made Riesling where it's just like oh my god this is pyrotechnics. This Luero was um, you know it wasn't a giant a giant fireworks show in the sky but it was definitely like a well-placed accent on the palate and yeah it was uh, you know it's it's great you know and and sadly i think i i think i saw it coming out in october i'm like what is this wine coming out in october for it should have been a summer wine same same completely completely agree with you i looked at it it was just like i don't want to hold this till spring because the fruit's so vibrant now like what's going on it's 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 a it's a total miss by the lcbo total miss and, uh, and the then finally, right. uh, the the plume, plume which uh, which okay. I thought was uh, was quite lovely. It's an okay. Alexander Valley Cab okay. Sauv, 2016. Michael, uh, it just it delivered. It it really really delivered um, on on that California cab experience. Oh, okay, but Michael, it's thirty nine ninety five, and that's above your thirty dollar price point. Are you spending the money? Correct, on it? correct. I didn't say I would buy it. Okay. <laughs> I okay, just, well then you know I just what you know I'd what recommend it um, for people who want to spend forty bucks on a California cab, and you know really like that California cab experience. It's 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 that it it hits it hits the mark hits the mark hundred percent. Here's here's what I would say about it. First off, I would happily I'm, I and I will happily spend the forty dollars, and I'm going to go snag a bottle on Friday because I have some red meat going on the grill this weekend. But the way the winemaking manages the tannin. Um, I think at $40, this far delivers a much better wine than you would get from Napa Valley. I, I would at, agree with that. 100%. 50 or $60. If you're talking about entry level Napa, skip it. Like skip, skip your entry level 50, $60, your, your martini Napa Valley, skip it and grab the plume instead. Yeah. Plume was, was, was a, was a total delight. Total delight. Yeah. So you know what? Uh, before we wrap this up, anything that uh, that you did over you know, I, I don't want to say that that COVID is finished because it's definitely not. We're 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 not in the out of uh, we're not out of the woods quite yet. I think no, in Canada we're doing do... we're doing pretty good. Anything that you did uh, over over the last let's say year that you didn't think you were ever going to do? Bottle delicious Pinot Noir. And, and like I said, this isn't meant to be a commercial for ADX, but I'd like to think that I've been... No, okay, 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 but Michael, Michael, okay. Listen, you're my sober second thought. I think I've always been pretty measured in how I talk about the company. Oh, yeah, we need to go back, and I need to tell the anecdote about the, the cider. I'll do that after I finish this statement. I've been pretty measured in in how I've talked about the winemaking goes with the company. Like... I appreciate the experience I've had as a as a journalist to not walk in with because I think there's a lot of people who, you know, they they have a few dollars they start a winery and they're just like, oh my god, my wine is the greatest thing on the planet. I don't think I've ever made the greatest wine on the planet, but the Pinot Noir that we've made is something that far exceeds something I thought we would make this early in the company's experience to the point where like. I I messaged you shortly after it was bottled to be like I need your opinion on this because I want to make sure I'm not full of right and mark that down mark it down I am what I what I mean that's another behind the scenes thing where it's just like you know what like I've got my friends and like obviously like 
you know, the people that know and love me are going to say nice things about it. It's just like, I need, I need someone who's kind of a dick to bring me back down to earth in case I am. I like I to am. think that it's not just being a dick, it's being honest. But okay, call it what you will. Uh, yeah, but you're a friend of mine, right? Correct. So, but so, I, you know what? Uh, if, if I can't be honest with you about your wine, which is, you know, look, there, there are friends who are going to buy your wine no matter what, doesn't matter what it tastes like. But somebody has got to be able to say, Andre, is not good. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I Because sooner or later, you've got to sell to the general public. You're being, and you're sooner being, or later, the general public's got to taste it. And they're going to give you the, the straight goods, whether they like it or not. You're being fair. You're being fair. I, I was trying to be cheeky, but everything Michael said is exactly the reason why he's the person I want to taste the wine. And I'd like people who are listening to this to keep that in mind when we're talking about journalism. So, right before we wrap, here's the thing I find amusing about the cider. I like the cider that we made. I know there's certain people in Niagara who are like losing their minds over it, which I appreciate is very flattering. The only reason we're making cider is because Guillaume, one of my dear friends and business partners, is from Normandy. And the goal is to eventually make cider right in the Normandy style. There's a specific type of fermentation and the way they do it, blah, blah, blah. Here's the thing about the cider that I find completely amusing. You love it, Michael, right? I do. Some I think it's great. Some friends of the podcast and, and friends of you and I really love it. I like it. I'm happy to sell it. Guillaume, the reason we're making it is not, like, it's not good enough for him. He sits there and it's just like, it's not French enough for him. It's not French enough in style. And I just, I find the whole thing amusing because it's the first product that we've made where, like, people are just like, oh my god, is it going to sell out already? Whatever. And it's just like, uh, it's just so amusing. So, you know what, like, if you haven't had a chance to taste the cider, send us a note. I'm, I'm happy to connect people with, with bottles. I, I'm super flattered that you like it, Michael. I'm super flattered that people like it. I'm more amused at the fact that Guillaume sits there and it's just like he's got a pout on his face every time he opens a bottle of it. Gu- Guillaume doesn't like it because it, I, I don't think it goes well with cheese. It does. That? Oh, no, but it certainly goes well with his wine. <laughs> As for myself, the, uh, the the question that I asked you, is there something that you had done over the last year oh, that you never thought I'm, you I'm would do? I'm such a jerk. So, you know, I'm the one that's being a dick. Michael, what did you do over the past year that you didn't think that you'd do? I mean, it's like I said, it, it's been a weird year. Andre, uh, 18 years ago, I wrote a book, and I've never done anything with it, and I'm trying to resurrect it. So, what's it? A, wait, yeah, I wrote, I wrote a mystery me? book. Are so. you kidding me? No, like we go like a month without talking, and you bury the lead like that. <laughs> it's just, the I, I I was looking at it. The last time I actually did an edit edit of it was 2002. And, uh, yeah, I wrote it back in, uh, 1999 and then I, I played with it for two years and then, uh, yeah, I'm going to try and see what I can do getting it published. So please tell me it's a science fiction novel about how to grow Chardonnay on Mars. It is not, but at that point in time, I was really not that big into wine. I liked wine, but I didn't, there's very little wine content in the book to tell you the truth. Really funny. Uh, okay, I know you like tease that we were wrapping up, but do you want to tell us a bit about what the book is about, or do we want to save that for another time, or do we just want to see like what's what? Because like I know when the the microphone turns off, I have many more questions for you, and frankly, I think that's incredible. Um, the the long and the short of it is, it's it's um, wow, you know what? I, I it it really is hard to describe. Uh. Uh, I once let uh, let a good friend Dean read a little bit of it. Uh, he said it's got like that film noir kind of kind of feel to it, uh, but it does center around spousal abuse. Believe it or not, 
Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you want us to end this podcast on a high note? Yeah. That's, <laughs> you asked what it's about, and I'm like, wow. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a, it's kind of a mystery. It's kind of a. Um, Oh crap! Uh, so so it's a, novel. a little like, a little bit of a, a a noir kind of feel to it. You've so. written um, you've written a piece of fiction. I have written a piece of fiction. Well, you know, I've written I'm, a two hundred and seventy four page piece of fiction. I'm looking forward to um, I'm looking forward to reading it. And uh, since this is the first I'm hearing of it, like, well, good luck. Hopefully, you'll share your progress with how this goes in the in the podcast. Well, I think it's. I, I think it, we're, we're, I'm getting into the editing process. Tw- Eighteen years later, going to try to edit it, and then uh, and then and then get uh, get a good friend of ours. Uh, hopefully, Sheila Purit will be uh, be my editor on it. So, well, there we go. Um, so. Yeah. Well, there we go. Um, wow, that's a lot for me to digest because uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just I like seeing people be creative, um, and yeah, I'm. I see you're yeah okay. I'm actually uh, to tell you the truth, I'm actually working on my second. But I thought before I work on a second, I might as well get the first one done. Well, there we go. Um, okay, so I'm Andre Prue from AndreWineReview.ca, which um, I will be resurrecting from purgatory. I've got some things in the works. I've ta- I have tasted some good wines this summer, but Michael asked about christening the apartment. A lot of them I tasted before I moved, and I made notes on. And I just I've been too busy to write about, so I'm sorry for that. Um, Patreon, patreon.com slash two guys talking wine. We have, have had some nice people increase their, um, their patronage. Um, I know we say this and, uh, this is the end of the podcast. So a lot of people tune out, but you know, once again, it isn't expensive to create wine content, but independent journalism does take a toll. Uh, so even $2 a month, $5 a month does go a lot to keeping us in business. Um, it has been a, a hard year for some people who aren't able to work regularly. Uh, and, you know, it goes a long way to making sure that we can keep the content good and keep it going. So please check that out. Patreon.com slash two guys talking wine. Uh, well said, I guess. Thank you. Uh, I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. Uh, again, thank you to all of our guests who have uh, got us through to this point in time. Yeah, and thanks allowed for us not do... making me look too stupid on the Stump the Chumps, but yeah, you know what? I actually think I'm getting better at it. Am I getting better at it? I, I think you are. Oh, uh, I'm gonna, that or I'm going to have to raise my game. Uh, I think that too. Who are you? Find me on social media at The Great Guy and uh, at Michael Pincus Wine Review. Dot com. Andre, I think it's time to wrap it up, so uh, good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.